Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here, you will listen to the preaching pastors from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray that you are inspired by their teachings. Are you excited to be here today? All right, are you ready to receive a word from the Lord? If so, say, we are. All right, we're ready to receive what God has for us today, and I believe that God has something special for you. I actually brought some stuff up here with me, and you're going to find out what this beautiful trophy means here in just a moment. But here's the thing. I'm going to share something with you today that uh, God has been working on in me my entire life. You'll probably relate with it, I think. I'm I'm sure there'll be a lot of uh, elbow bumps happening to your neighbor today, and that's totally acceptable. Let it happen. Let it happen. But good morning, welcome to week three of our series, Jesus in the Waiting, where we're going to be talking about kind of what happened in that phase between Jesus' resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. What happened in that season of waiting? Everyone say seasons. Seasons. I believe in seasons. I believe we live our lives in seasons. In fact, in Ohio, you know what that means, don't you? Was anyone fond of the snow we received Wednesday morning or the flurries I saw Thursday? I already had my tank tops, flip-flops out, ready for the beach this summer, mowing the lawn. I thought that ugly, snowy winter was behind us and I was moving in towards the summer. Thanks, Ohio. But here's the thing. Just like life, isn't it? where we're ready to head into that next season of life and then that old season rears its ugly head and reminds us that it's still there. What do we do in seasons of waiting? We've had a lot of that, haven't we? Seasons where we're trying to figure out what the future is going to look like and figuring out when we don't have to wear these silly masks anymore or when will things, I heard an amen on that one. (laughs) things where we're going to get back to life as usual. What does that look like? You see, here's the principle. I'm just going to tell you straight out of the gate. The main temptation during seasons of waiting when I don't know where I'm headed is to fall into the trap of comparison. Everyone say comparison. You're going to find out why here in just a second. Open up your Bibles to John chapter 21, verses 18 through 22. John chapter 21, verses 18 through 22, where Jesus has a really interesting conversation with Peter. Peter, the one that had denied Christ several times, and Jesus is having this repentant moment with Peter, and he's going up to Peter and saying, Peter, do you love me? And during this conversation, Jesus said, hey, Peter, come with me, let's walk. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And, And this happens a few times, but off in the shadows, there's this guy, his name is John. Most people attribute the authorship of the Gospel of John, which we're in today, to him. And he's kind of one of those guys that is traveling along, and he's like, I'm not missing this conversation. You got any nosy neighbors like that? If you have a sibling, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I can remember this. My brother's in the room this morning. And I remember there would be times where, man, he'd get in trouble. And rather than sitting in the other room thinking, oh, I just feel so bad for him. No, I'm like, ear against the door, 
what's happening? And I walk up to my mom afterwards. I'm like, hey, what happened just there? Tell me about it. You know, almost like you're anticipating God, or she's going to say to me, David, you are such a great son. I'm so pleased with you. Instead, she had a phrase, I don't know if you heard it growing up, Nanya, set me up. I say, what's Nanya? You know the answer, right? Nanya business. And Jesus has one of these moments with Peter and John. And we're going to be in, in, in John chapter 21, verses 18 here. Check this out. You see, Jesus has had this conversation with Peter. It's a really emotional moment. And he actually tells Peter, this is how you're going to die. He says in verse 18, very truly I tell you, when you were younger you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you are old you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Can you imagine? Imagine Jesus saying, hey, this is how you're going to die. Follow me. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be hard. Follow me. Well, at that moment, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following him. That's John. The Bible says this was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. The word of the Lord for the people of God today. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we just want to take a moment and ask you to continue to do what you want to do in our hearts. Our minds, hearts, and hands are open, ready to receive what you have for us. God, and as is the mission of this church, may we all take a step towards you today. Father, for my friends that came here today and they're in a season of waiting, guide them, Lord. May we all place our trust in you. God, may my words not be heard today, but yours, through the power of your spirit. In your name we pray, and everyone said, amen. Well, Jesus has this mind your own business this Nanya conversation with Peter, and it reminds me of this video. You may have seen it. It's a couple years old, and I'm not sure any of you have a, or have been around a, a sassy three-year-old. Check it out. I think you'll enjoy. Why about yourself? Why about yourself? Can I help? No. I help. I don't. You can help when more out to you, okay? You can help when we are out to you. Okay. Do you have this thing? Probably. You want me to help, Russ? No. Thank you. No, thank you. What do you want me to do? What about yourself? <laughs> what about yourself? <laughs> I'll do this one so I 
You drive, worry about yourself. Look at your neighbor and say, worry about yourself. Say it like her. Say it like you mean it. <laughs> Here's the thing. We're going to go back to that here throughout our time together. But Peter's entering a season of waiting where Jesus had actually told him, you're going to die. And I thought it interesting that the first step that Peter takes is to fall into the trap of comparison. Immediately turns around and says, Jesus, what about him? Dangerous things happen, though, when we compare. Would you agree? All throughout Scripture, we see this. We find the first brothers, Cain and or Jacob was jealous of the affection Esau's father gave him. And he found a way to steal his birthright from him. And you would think that maybe even in Jesus' inner circle, things would be different. No. You see, you have Peter, James, and John who were constantly in this battle, this struggle. They were constantly working against each other to figure out who's in charge. Who's the boss here? In fact, the other day, uh, my sister brought her dog over. And I have a new pup, and they're about a year old, and they wrestled for hours trying to figure this question out. Who's the alpha? Neither one. We had to break them up. But it's all throughout Scripture, and to find even in the inner circle of Jesus where you have in the book of Matthew where Jesus says, this is Peter, and on this rock, he's a rock, I'm going to build my church. But Peter, I'm like, get in line, guys. But then you have later on in, in the Gospel of John where you find out John is the beloved of Jesus. In fact, Pastor John spoke about this a couple weeks ago. James and John's mom came up to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, when you're in power and enter into your kingdom, take one son and put him on your left hand and one son and put him on the right hand and may they rule with you, me in trouble. Is anyone here just a little too competitive sometimes? This is a time to throw that elbow. Everything's a competition to me. Everything. Can't help it. Pull up to a red light. Fast and the Furious. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Everything. I can't help it. In fact, I brought this beautiful trophy up here with me, shrouded in controversy. This is the Extrava Panaza, which is our staff gathering where, I don't know if you know this, between the, the school, the church, and the child care uh, we have like 150 employees, more than that actually. And we did indoor putt-putt. That's all I needed to hear. I brought my real putter in. I'm not trying to lose. The reason it's shrouded in controversy is uh, we heard one person that wasn't in charge say a rule they gave me exactly what I wanted. So we followed it and said, yep, it's a rule. We're doing it. They said instead of the ball going into the cup, it just needs to touch the outside of the cup. You know, in golf, it matters when it goes in the hole, right? So needless to say, we took off with the competition and destroyed everyone. Shrouded in controversy, proud of our victory, 
And before you go home and tell everyone how Pastor David is a cheater, I got one thing to say to you. Worry about yourself. (laughs) I was waiting to do that. Win at all costs, right? In fact, competition causes comparison to happen. We have this thing uh, that we do here called a strengths finder assessment. You may use this in your local businesses and workplaces, but we use it with our staff to figure out because we want to play to everyone's strengths. So we want to build and assemble teams that have different strengths. And so I, I took my test. I had some cool things, achiever, focus, learner, blah, blah, blah. And of course, at the end was this word, competition. Ooh, not really sure I like that one. Especially in... Uh, when you're trying to be kingdom-minded, but I, I looked it up. This is the definition of people that have competition as a strength. I want you to check this out, see if you know anyone like this. Competition is rooted in comparison. When you look at the world, you are instinctively aware of other people's performance. Their performance is the ultimate yardstick. No matter how hard you tried, no matter how worthy your intentions If you reached your goal but did not outperform your peers, the achievement feels hollow. Like all competitors, you need other people. You need to compare. If you can compare, you can compete, and if you can compete, you can win. And when you win, there is no feeling quite like it. Although, you are gracious to your fellow competitors and even stoic in defeat. You don't compete for the fun of competing. You compete to win. Over time, you will come to avoid contests where winning seems unlikely. That can be a strength, but also a weakness. I hope you see that. But here's the truth. Competition is rooted in comparison. When Peter said, Lord, what about him? What about John? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Follow me. You must follow me. How often do we approach God with this sort of competition mindset? God, what about them? God, what about their situation? God, why? Because the truth is, in the world that we live in right now, it is so hard not to compare yourself to others. Would you agree with that? It's kind of how we're wired. It's kind of who we are culturally. You get on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, wherever, Twitter, and you start to see pictures of other people that look like they're living their best life, right? Say, man, I wish I had that car. Man, that person is in great shape. Why can't I get in shape? Oh, man, that person always has great things to say. Look at their hair. Wow. Man, that vacation that they got to go on. If we're being honest, how many of us, when we see other people doing that, we're like instantly compare ourselves and then you feel bad about yourself? Because you're like, I I wish I could do that. Or, Or me, because I'm competitive, it hits me in the form of my lawn. Gotta have the best lawn on the street. Amen which looks good between two neighbors with dandelions all over their lawn. Not judging, need to worry about myself. My neighbors are watching, sorry. 
I'll help you if you want it. <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. I need help. But I drive down the street, and I'm like, is mine better than theirs? Oh, no, man. Oh, what they did with their flower bed there. Oh, that's awesome. But we're constantly in this place where we're playing these games of comparison. But if we're being a little bit more serious, we look at, at people's great situations, and we're like, dude, I woke up this morning, and it was hard to get out of bed. I woke up this morning, and my kid wouldn't get dressed, and so we were late for school, and I was late for work. I heard a famous preacher once say, don't compare your behind the scenes to someone else's highlight reel. Have you heard this before? Don't compare your behind the scenes to someone else's highlight reel because that's what we do. We say, man, I feel like junk, but man, they must be doing great. I think sometimes people look at the pastors that way. You know, at their house, every night they sit around the living room and light a campfire. They sit crisscross applesauce. And their kids listen to them. Their kids go to bed on time and then they just sit up and they pray together and fill their house with worship music and their dogs listen. <laughs> Nothing can be further from the truth, okay? But what we do is we say we compare our behind the scenes with their highlight reel. If you could see us on a Sunday morning, you know that wasn't true. My guess is my house looks like your house. But what is it about us? That we try to gain the world. We try to gain everything this world has to offer. In fact, the Bible tells us this, that you can gain the entire world, the whole world. You can get that vacation spot, you can get that car, you can get out of debt, you can get this money, you can get this job, you can have this kid or have this situation or that situation, and yet you can still lose your soul. How many of you have reached that place where you finally thought, man, I've got to where I wanted to be, I reached that goal and it's empty because there's that next thing I have to get to. I'd also say this, I think you can gain the whole world and lose your purpose too. You can gain the whole world and lose track of what God wants to do in your life. You can gain the whole world and it comes to the end of your life, it'll be hollow because you haven't been following Jesus. Comparison takes our eyes off of Jesus, takes our eyes off of the right things. When we have these conversations with God, God, what about them? What about their highlight reels? And Jesus says, worry about yourself. What I want to do with them is one thing, but I want you to keep your eyes right on me. Follow me. Because the truth is, Jesus is not going to take you down a path he hasn't walked already. Jesus isn't going to lead you into unknown territory alone. He isn't just saying... Okay, here's the door. Get out, slam, go. He's saying, follow me. I'm going to go with you. Follow me on this path. Now let me tell you where that path that following Jesus leads. You might be, uh, I'm not trying to discourage you this morning, but I'm going to be real with you, okay? 
the path that Jesus walked was to a hill called Calvary where he was crucified. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels in our New Testament, the first four books in the New Testament, we find this command from Jesus. I'm gonna read out of Mark. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. This passage in scripture is called the way of the cross. And it got me asking this question, why, God? Why is it your desire to take me to the cross? And now for some of us, the cross can be a place where we might physically die. For others of us, the cross can be a place where something about me needs to go to die. So I could be more like Jesus. Jesus isn't just some being that enjoys our pain, but rather I think something far deeper is at work. You see, I've always looked at this passage with Jesus' conversation with Peter, and our pastor talked about it last weekend. In the Greek, there's three words for love. You have agape love, which is unconditional love. You have phileo love, which is brotherly love. And you have eros love, which is kind of erotic in nature. And in this conversation, Jesus looks at Peter who had betrayed him and says, do you agape me? Do you unconditionally love me? Peter doesn't say that in return. He says, I phileo you. I love you like a brother, Jesus. And throughout the whole conversation, three times Jesus asks, in the whole conversation, Peter is never able to get to the place where he says, I love you, Jesus, unconditionally. This is where it gets interesting to me. Because right after that, Jesus says, I'm going to take you to a place and you're going to die there. You're going to go to a physical cross and die. Follow Me, don't worry about the other stuff. I want you to follow me. You see, this path to the cross is a path to die. It's a path where you, the insecure, hurting, anxious person, in a season of waiting, he says, come with me, I want you to die. Wow. Beginning a relationship with Jesus is easy. Following Jesus will cost you everything. We're not going to sugarcoat it. Following Jesus requires your life. I look at the story of Peter, and now he's in a new period of waiting. What's he going to do with it? How will he live? In fact, I'm going to share a pretty raw and honest conversation with you this morning. Something that I've had with a a friend of mine in this room. I love him dearly. We talk weekly. And during the pandemic, I found out he was in the hospital and pleaded with God. 
It was a dangerous situation. It wasn't COVID-related. It was related to something else. And I pleaded with God, and God saved this man's life. He shouldn't make it. Please, God. Please, you're not done with him yet. I don't believe you're done. Save him. And I know a lot of other people were saying this prayer too. And praise the Lord, he pulled through. He's at church this morning. He's been coming to church. He's serving the Lord. He's a prayer warrior. He loves to worship. But then something else happened. Someone that he loves, a young man, stage four cancer. The experimental drugs don't seem to be working. People are praying like crazy. This young man's on the prayer list. And to be honest, we're not sure how it's going to work out. We're still believing. But he's come to me in this conversation, and it's kind of a different conversation. He said, David, why did God save my life, but he's not saving his? I would gladly trade my life. He said, I've lived a long life. I would trade it if it meant that he could live. Why? Why? In fact, I had someone come up to me last service at the end of service, and they said, hey, my son died four years ago. I've been trying to find purpose in it. He said, I needed to hear what you said today. To be honest with you, it's kind of a different question, isn't it? Because we have the one, the comparison thing where, well, it needs to be fair. Whatever happens to them should happen to me, right? But then what about when it's the opposite? What about when we're in a place when it's someone that we love desperately and we wish we could take their place, but we can't? What do these words of Jesus mean for us now? What does it mean when Jesus looks at us and he says, you can trust that I'm working in that situation. You follow me. You follow me. Guys, we don't always know why. The Bible tells us that who can know the mind of the Lord or who can be his counselor? His ways are higher than our ways. His understanding is higher than our understanding. His understanding of the big picture is different than ours. But I can't follow Jesus based off of comparison because I would only follow him then when times are good. And when I only follow him when times are good, I'm missing out on something because I think the reason that Jesus looked at Peter and said, you're going to die on the cross, and I'm going to take you there. It's because he's saying, I want to teach you what it means to look at me in the eyes and say, I agape you. Jesus, I unconditionally love you. I'll lay my life down for you. Where Jesus is saying, it is a gift for you to learn to love me the way that I love you.
Do we always know why? No. I wish we did, and I, I, I'm terrible at these conversations, guys, because my heart breaks. But the thing that we say is we trust Jesus. We trust in Jesus. And so when Jesus looks at you and says, I want you to take up your cross and follow me, we say, okay, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. Because the truth is, if you're not living in a moment right now where you feel like you're being crucified to a cross, it's coming. That moment is coming for you. But what if this is what it takes for you to learn to surrender your heart to Jesus, to love him the way that God loves you? In fact, I, uh, if you're looking for a next step, I was reminiscing this week about an old preacher I heard. And someone said, hey, when did you give your heart to Jesus? And this is like a famous preacher, and he said, this morning. He said, no, 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 like, like when? Like how old were you? When did you do? He said, this morning. He said, every morning I wake up. say, Jesus, I surrender to you. Today I choose to deny myself and I will follow you to the cross, to the death of myself today. Every day. What does this look like, church, for you? What would it look like for you to start your day out with that prayer? Jesus, I surrender you. I will follow you to the end of myself today, to the death of myself. What would happen would you maybe start seeing the world a little differently? Would you start to see the world through the eyes of God's love? Could you forgive people that hurt you? Could you have peace when you don't have understanding? Because this is what Jesus calls us to. He calls us to the cross. He says, I want to take you to this place. Follow me where you'll die. But I have to tell you this, church. Okay, you say, hey, David, this is really hopeless stuff right now. You're trying to kill me. No. I want you to remember something. That the same Jesus that was crucified on the cross descended down into the grave where death had thought it had beaten him, the enemy thought he had won, Satan thought he was in control, but three days later, we know that he was raised to life. That death couldn't beat him, that Jesus has won, is winning, and we can walk in his victory. And so I want you to know today that along with this promise to come to the cross and die, you need to know this, that if the cross is your destination, the resurrection of Christ is your expectation today. That when Jesus takes you to the cross, you can, be know, you can know that you will share in the promise of his resurrection. This is what he wants. Follow me, die to self, and as you die to self, walk in new life. That thing we sang about earlier, we're going to step into eternity and every knee is going to bow before Jesus. I want to be able to bow before Jesus and say, I walk in the power of his resurrection. I love you, Jesus. Unconditionally. Jesus wants your soul. He wants everything about you. And when you share in his resurrection, 
get to a place where we say, I want everything about Jesus. I want all that you are, Jesus. Nothing else. I want to walk in eternity with Jesus. The end of the story with Peter, he was crucified in Rome about 30 years after the life of Christ. Christian history will tell us that as he was approaching his spot of crucifixion, he said this, he says, I am unworthy to be crucified like my Savior, and he was crucified upside down. We find in Christian history that the Apostle John, that Peter was so worried about, ended up possibly in the Colosseum, dipped in a vat of boiling oil. But he didn't die, and he was banished to this island called Patmos, where he was given the vision for the final book in our New Testament, the book of Revelation that declares God's victory in the end. We all have different paths. But Jesus is calling us to the same things. Follow me. Worry about yourself. And you may die, whether it's physically or pieces of you, but you'll share in my resurrection. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here in this room or watching online, you say, David, you laid out a pretty rough path here. Yeah, we're not gonna beat around the bush on this one. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to know it's gonna cost you something, but it's gonna save your soul. It might take you to the cross, but it's gonna give you real life. If you're here in this room or watching online, no one's looking around, and you say, you know what, I need to follow Jesus with my life. I wanna follow him. Raise your hand. I got you. I got you. Raise your hand. Anyone else? Watch it online. Do it right there too. I can't see you, but raise your hand. Or maybe you'd be in the room and you'd say, you know what? Lost my focus a little bit. Been stuck in comparison. I'm gonna die to Jesus today. If that's you, raise your hand. That could be probably most of us. Die to yourself. Follow Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for how you lead us. God, we thank you that you call us to something far deeper than a shallow life. But you call us to trust you. You see, don't get distracted by the world. Don't worry about those things. Follow me. And Jesus, we want to commit to you today in your presence. Jesus will follow you to death. And we're trusting that we can walk in resurrection power. For my friends who don't have a relationship with you, Jesus, I'm going to say a prayer. If you want to say this and mean it with your heart, you say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, forgive me. I want to follow you. Save me. Lead me. Be my Savior. For my friends here that are struggling, Jesus, forgive us for the times we don't watch you and keep our eyes on other things. Lead us in your presence. May we die to you every day this week.
We ask this in the precious, beautiful, and holy name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And everyone said, amen. Thank you, church. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.